welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Mike Cunningham. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know, we really focus on track coaches. Track coaches are, they're just the top, right? They are so sacrificial, so selfless in what they do uh, for young people around this country. And we really want to honor and uplift them. From time to time, I like to personally, I like to just bring you some like cool people in the sport of track and field. We've had officials, uh, equipment providers, etc., on the podcast. And today, I, I don't know what kind of trouble we're going to get into because I've seen some of their content and I was a little <laughs> scared on how they were going to, I see how they did some other people. So, but now you're on my show, so I get some control. So help me welcome from the Two Black Runners podcast, runningreport.com, the wise and wonderful Mr. Josh and Aaron Potts. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Welcome to the show. Doing well, doing well. Yeah, doing good, man. Coming off a high, doing a, a lot of stuff, coming from conferences and a lot of content's been getting pushed out in the past week. So doing great. Yeah, you know, this is fun. You guys you guys are a little bit more immediate. And we I live in podcast world, so if you're listening, you're probably listening right now near the end of March. We're actually recording this at the end of February. And I did just see what you got, what you were just talking about there, Aaron. You guys were at some kind of uh, tell me what it was. It was like a running conference, but it was like maybe media running conference specifically. So it was the Run USA uh, industry conference, and the conference is mostly made up of of race directors all over the country. Like Ted Matillis is there, like the director of the Minnesota uh, Marathon is there. Uh, the Ragnar, the guy that created like Ragnar, is there, and then they even have like vendors that create bibs there. Mm -hmm like race roster which is like a registration company um is there and it was like just like the first time ever they had you know a podcasters there doing something uh live and we interviewed one of our guests that we had before marcus Cizzetto, who's a dub uh, a double uh, amputee and he ran a 235 marathon at the new york city at, at, at new york city so yeah exactly was that was my same response when i when i heard 235 for a double fut it's crazy first of all 235 to be real yeah. with you is like holy crap <laughs> wow that's amazing that had to be pretty good that he was already on your podcast yeah yeah so oh. we had him after the new york city marathon uh at the end of last year but then the the conference was in orlando and they were thinking like who should we bring on and after talking to marco we knew he lived in orlando so it was all like that's or he lives in claremont but uh or that's not too far away so we just hit a marco come do this and we got to do with him and he stole the show he stole the show and then we also like pe people really connected with his story his story is crazy just how everything went down and then uh Patrick Stigman from ESPN also did like an interview with us right before the podcast too. So people got to know us and then had this had to see us do like an interview in action with Marco Cizzetto. It was, it was really fun. It was a really good time. Can't wait for people to finally. Well, by the time this comes out, yeah. hopefully the podcast will be up on YouTube too as well. It was a really great story. Well, 
I tell you, if he stole the show, that in itself is a big feat because this is one of the things that I love about you guys uh, as I've been following along for maybe about the past year now. Uh, your tagline is, it's a running media outlet produced for the culture by the culture. And the first time I got to experience what that kind of means as you guys output that is uh, there was a meet, uh, I think it was called the Trials of Miles out in Kansas City. I, I really only watched it because they also had the hurdles, and that's my favorite event. <laughs> uh, but they did. Yeah. Sidious Magazine, I think, right, is the one who put it on. Uh, they did a live YouTube with it and did a really, in my opinion, fantastic job on presentation of the meet but you guys were the on the field interviewers right so after the person runs the race talking about their you know how to go and what's next and stuff like that and honestly i think you guys kind of i think you guys kind of stole the show like it was a little bit like i don't know if that was your first time but at least it was my first time seeing it, it was kind of like whoa wait a minute who are these guys like i remember putting in the chat i was like what's these guys' name and you know i'm on twitter so i went to twitter and tried to find you and all that kind of stuff talk to me about runningreport.com uh you've got youtube you got nearly a ten thousand subscribers on youtube you're of course on twitter and instagram this awesome podcast two black runners podcast well, tell tell us what, what is this what is running report what, what are you guys doing here well, really, Running Report kind of all stemmed from my senior year of high school. I started a YouTube channel with my five other friends, just like vlogging our our quest to go to NX in like uh, our senior year. So we were pretty good going into the end of the season. And then I tore my meniscus like right before like CIF and everything. So like I couldn't race and go on NXN, but I was all like, before that, we were talking about, we should start a YouTube channel, start a YouTube channel. And so then I was like, I, I can't race, so I'll just start the YouTube channel and everything. And went on from there, kind of built like a cult following in Southern section for like cross country and like, well, I'll say for track in general, just like a little bit of cult following. And then going into, um, once we, we kept on doing that, then into my freshman year at college, like they kind of like stopped as not vlogging as much but i just i just fell in love with the media side of it pretty much and then i wanted to just keep on like do running on youtube and everything but i didn't want to vlog but i was like so that just brought me to what else could i do next and i always loved like espn or just like fox sports or the nba and everything and loved that side of it and when it comes, I want to bring that to running because running is my first love. I've been running since I was five years old from like club track all the way through. And I was like, running needs to, I, I feel like the only way for running to get to that mainstream value that everybody talks about is that it needs that same, you need to give it what it deserves. You need to give it that same type of hype. You need to give it that same type of attention and that same, that, that same type of energy that Stephen A would give it, that's, that, that Jalen Rose would give the NBA, that all these people, that Ryan Clark would give the NFL. You have to give that same type of energy to it and i think that's what running report really is trying to definitely bring that bring that to running in all different facets that we possibly can to be honest so if josh if you started it how did you bring your brother did he just like trying to ride on your coattails how, how did aaron get involved here <laughs> well really when I, when I started just doing because first it was just like the running report show and i'll do it like uh once a month and stuff and Aaron was always the person I would go to. I would be all like, Aaron, like, what do you think about this? Like, if I was going to think about, like, because in the very, very beginning, I was doing, like, just talking about, like, the marathon and stuff. And so he would be the person I would go to and clarify stuff. And, like, or I finished the video, be like, Aaron, what do you think about this video? And then Aaron was the one, well, he really came in. He was the one who was all like, bro, like, we should do 
a podcast. Like that's what he kept on proposing to me. Like, let's do a podcast, do a podcast. And then finally I was like, all right, let's do it. And then I was like, let's call it two black runners. And then Aaron jumped in and we just kind of started rolling from then and hasn't really stopped. Yeah, if, if you're going to name it Two Black Runners, it kind of doesn't work without Aaron, right? Because it'd just be you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, what's your take on this? You you pushed for the podcast. Were you a runner as well? And we're going to get a little bit more into your actual stories here. But as far as running report, what was your involvement here? Yeah, and it's kind of like Joshua said, like we come from a track and field family. We have two other brothers as well. And I started running track in the second grade um, club, and my dad was the coach, and I ran all the way up until college at Azusa Pacific, and then I ran oh, yeah. for a short stint semi-professionally with the Hoka Aggies. Um, and then from there, like, while I was in college, like, I worked at a running store, and then I worked at Running Warehouse, and now I work at Hoka. So, like, I'm very, like, always been involved in a big geek for, like, running media, running culture, and the running industry. But as Joshua said too, like every day in our house, we, where we grew up, it's like, we wake up, ESPN is on. Someone's arguing, is Kobe the best player in the NBA? Like yeah. we're arguing about like football and stuff like that. So a lot of these conversations we have all the time. And like, I myself, like at that time, I listened to a lot of podcasts too. And I started seeing like a couple of running podcasts come up and I just was like, yo, like Joshua, like we could definitely do this. You know, I was like, I, I just, I could see it. Like, I feel like if you listen to something, see something enough, it's like you can duplicate it and do it within your own way. And a big part of like the running report, two black runners as well, it's like in the running media space, we don't see a lot of like black people, people of color and that flavor that, you know, it the forefront, no offense to like runner space and flow track and stuff, but that's, it's, it's just the distance community. And we come from that, we are, we're 800 meter, 1500 meter runners. so that's who's like kind of controlling that backside. And that was kind of like the, the goal of, of a running report of running report as well. When we say for the culture and by the culture, it's a two way, it's double edged. Like one being like, you know, for the culture, like, you know, black people, like we are of that culture. That's where we come from. But we also come from the track, track and field culture. Dad was a club coach. Like we all, like all my brothers competed at the collegiate level, like, that is who we are and that we put that authenticity into every part of two black runners and running report media. But we're also doing this for the sport. We're doing this for the, we're doing this for the culture of track and field, because as Joshua was saying, it deserves to be seen as mainstream. It deserves to have that energy that, you know, the NFL, that the NBA and all of that gets as well. Yeah. I love the authenticity, you know, guys who grew up running track, dad's a track, a track coach, club track like you know you've been in track for a long time and mm -hmm. you know, i'm a huge proponent of what you guys are doing on a grander scale meaning you know i have in in my circle where i run uh you know they've a couple of people have started calling me the pod father of track and field it's ridiculous because <laughs> it's not like i invented this by any means right uh but i am huge in helping people out like when a coach like when COVID hit right um, mm. you know it, coaches had a lot of free time <laughs> so a lot of them wanted to start podcasts and I had, I had actually started our podcast here at Gill Athletics before COVID had hit so I had some experience on you know kind of from the ground how to get it going I'm not a big fancy guy and think you gotta do a lot of editing and a lot of equipment expensive equipment and stuff so I helped a lot of coaches and people start their podcast up because to your point Josh you said it first you know the sport deserves it 
we, we're at now, we're not getting you know mainstream media and NBC and ESPN on our track meets and our track people, but it deserves it. It, it really yeah. does. So to me, I love this you know grassroots get it started. You loved what you were doing in the CIF and and the people you were with, and you're like, yeah, I kind of like this stuff. Get it started. That's the hardest part is to get started, man. I love this authenticity that you bring. Most definitely, it like. I at that point too, it was like, just like starting like the first like YouTube channel, it was called Rosie Project. That was the main thing we would always say, like, let's do something, let's do something. You just never do it. But like, once you start doing it, and then once you start making it a weekly thing, it's all like, it's weird if you don't. And especially in something like this with running and like the running media, I feel like what I was doing before with my friends, it definitely was cool because I also feel like in that phase as well, like we we're bringing a side to cross country and distance running that people didn't see before since our team was so diverse. Like the fastest dude on our team was a mixed dude with like dreads. And then we had this the Mexican dude, that, the Mexican dude and this black dude. Like it was, it was just so diverse and different that you don't get to see cross country all the time. And then to have that purpose brought into like the running media space that Aaron was alluding to earlier, just being, trying to bring that like culture in the track and field, which, which is, which is like, it's, it's weird in a sense because it's like the track and field space is so dominant by sprints, especially in the U.S. Like we love the sprints. We love the hundred. But when it comes to media covering it, it's always dominated by distance, especially on like the social media side. Now, when you watch like the NBC broadcast, it's going to like they're going to put love on the sprints and like the sprints are going to get that highlight, the 100, the 200, the 400 and distance. It still gets a shine, but not as much. But like when you look on the social media side, it's not the, it's not the uh, retired track athlete, 100 runner talking about the 100. It's some distance guy or some distance gal. So like, I just feel like us, I'm not a 100 meter runner, but I can speak to that in that sense, being able, being having the run so far. And like speaking of that Kansas City meet, like what was really cool about that meet, like you said, was the 100 hurdles. Like I got to see Don Harper Nelson run. And like, I never thought I was gonna be able to see her run. Like that was the highlight to see her run at the end of the day. And like, but to see those distance events was really cool too, but be able to see her compete like a legend like that. Those are the people that we want to like elevate more and do more with, but it's also just elevating the entire sport as a whole and giving what it deserves. Yeah, you know, right, right now when we're recording, there's something interesting going on, right? This whole uh, hashtag poopgate. I'm sure you guys have had an episode on it. Yeah. An episode on it. Uh, and while I don't care necessarily about the controversy, what did strike me, uh, and someone pointed out on social media as well, you know, that has now hit the New York Times. That's a big crazy media. That's crazy, exactly. Yeah. I am going to go out on a limb and say that they will not give the same amount of attention to the USA Indoor Championships that are going to happen this weekend that we're recording and the NCAA mm -hmm. Championships that are going to happen in two weeks from when we're recording. Uh, media has traditionally, at least for the last, I don't know, I'll say 20, 30 years, go back to the early 90s. You guys probably weren't even born back then. But the media, traditional media, has really focused on track and field on only the negative. When we have uh, a PED bust, uh, some kind of controversy, now this whole crazy stuff going over in, in Arizona. Uh, so I love that, you know, it's not just your culture in regards to, you know, your race, but I think it's also your age that you, you're bringing a, a, a younger demographic thought process into it, which is cool because you're interviewing a lot of people that are at or just above or just below 
your your ages. I'm guessing yeah. your ages, to be real frank, but uh, around that, that time, so you're bringing a different perspective along with the culture side of it as well. Yeah, most definitely, and I think I think that's key for sure. I think bringing diversity in like all aspects from you know gender to ethnicity to age to event, and I feel like that is truly what makes track and field special. When you look at track and field, you got someone that can lift 500, that can squat 500 pounds, and you got someone that can run six miles fast, like super fast. And then you got someone who could jump a super far dif a super far di distance. So it's like in track and field, there's so much diversity in the type of people that are out there competing, but we don't always have the in inclusivity, you know? We'll focus on like one event or one person more than the other and then like we're not capturing all the true stories that we really can be highlighting or like you're saying like we just focus on like something negative but there really is like so many stories so it's like how do we like have all these different things going around and how do we align them so we can get you know the person that watches long jump interested in the person that throws shot put interested in the person that's running the 400 and i feel like that's a goal and then like I, I mean, being me, being from the industry too, I want to be able to connect with just like a regular person mm -hmm. that, yeah. that goes out on a run in the morning or something, or someone that used to run sprints in high school. Like I want to bring them into the fold too. Yeah, th that's what boggles me. And in fact, I was just my boss, my VP of sales. We were just having this conversation yesterday. You know, on the high school level, boys and girls track combined is the largest sport there it's bigger than football basketball etc yeah. on the college level the men and women track and field combined is bigger than football so there are if, if you look out your window when you're driving in your crazy traffic in california and you look at the cars <laughs> next to you it, it's a pretty good chance that that person ran track at some point in their life or had a family member like a, like a, 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 yeah. a, a mother father or a son daughter uncle aunt etc there's so like track and field is almost everywhere and yet when you go to a meet there ain't no one there and if you watch and, it on tv no one's there and the crazy thing is that most of those people like they don't know who a thing mo is and like a thing mo is probably the most like the best person to have like as a star right now like and they now even have me know who should carry richardson is too as well but i think also like going back to what you were saying earlier about like the age thing i think it's also really cool too when able to interview people because i'm 21 years old so like being able to talk to a thing like if it's at because we're at the pre-classic like through a press conference or even i was able to interview her through like zoom i think it was like it was just like super relatable like we're not the same age but like if we're in that same generation or talk to like brandon miller or even talking to luis grajava as well like these people are young doing great things in the sport and like i think they see us they see us in the sense right now that like they want to push the sport forward and get better in the sport and they see us in the media like we're trying to push forward and push and do better for the sport. So let's like work together to try and get to this end point that we can all eat in a sense at the end of the day. So I think that's what's really the good thing about us being like on like the younger side and having that like younger view to be able to kind of like grow with these athletes in a sense that are kind of rising right now. And there's a lot that are that are rising up to the top that are really young doing incredible things. 
I agree with that. And, you know, we here recently, we just had Shakari Richardson uh, really, I thought was a really awesome interview on, I think it was Teen Vogue, which I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's a teen. I don't, I don't read that. So yeah, I, I was understand. curious about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand. <laughs> but I also realized that was, I was not the target audience at all for that magazine. <laughs> but, uh, but I read the article with the pictures and all that kind of stuff. And what a great, that, that might be the first time I've seen like an interview or, you know, something from her that showed like who Shakari Richardson the person was and not just, you know, 1060 or whatnot, you know, whatever PR and of course all the hubbub around the Olympic trials and Olympics and stuff. I, I thought that was like really humanizing, like, oh, wow, this is a real person whose skill set is to run fast. But what a what a real person. What a great to your point about a thing, Mo and stuff. What a great representative of our sport. Like more people should mm -hmm. know about her and a thing. And um, uh, gosh, Fred Curley. I mean, just amazing people that are out there. Yeah, I need to actually read that article. I didn't know that was I don't out there because I would love to like carry someone too that like I don't know. I listen to like the I am athlete, I am athlete podcast sometimes or like Pivot or even like the shop. Like I would think like she's the type of athlete that needs to be like on those on those platforms like like speaking so people could get to know her as a person because I think I think she could be like the biggest star we've ever seen, especially once she starts winning medals. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. So pivot in here a little bit. I had a question because you guys are distance runners, but also or I should say a distance background, uh, but also very, you know, kind of hip to all of the events or at least, you know, want to pay attention to all of the events. So recently there's been a couple of uh, squawkers about this whole four minute mile thing. I think a lot of it has to do because there's so many people specifically on the college side that are hitting it, right? I mean, I think it's mm -hmm. like 85 or 75 collegiates are going to have broken the uh, four-minute mile barrier at this point. And I think it's like to get into the D1 Nationals, it takes 356, which is just ludicrous. I mean, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but someone was talking about a couple of people have been squawking that, you know, we celebrate the four minute mile, but it really like it, it, it's no big deal anymore. Like maybe we should be celebrating the 350 or something like that. And people, some people have been trying to compare it to like the 10 flat and the hundred and kind of stuff like that. What do you think about the four minute mile is, is an age group where you are, you know, my age group, four minute mile was like, I mean, yeah. it's, it still is in my opinion, cause it's, it's an easy round number, right? 60 seconds per lap and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but I don't know. What, what do you think about just, is it still a big deal? Should we stop celebrating it? What do we what do we do here for a track and field in the mile? Oh, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I knew I knew you wanted to say something, so I was gonna let you go. <laughs> Yo, no, like it's a lot. That's I mean, it's a it's a that's a lot on it. Like I feel like that question, but I I still think it's a big deal to break four. Like I still think it's an a it's an that's accomplishment. Hard. Yeah, it's accomplishment no matter who does it. Like just because a lot of people does it, I don't think that devalues like the mile but i think the mile does get extra love because it is the mile it's four laps you know four minutes is a round number you know someone once said that you would die you know we know that's not true you know we know that's not true but someone someone put that <laughs> hype someone put the hype on that but someone also in the past put i just thought of this right now people used to think you would die from running a marathon you know what i'm saying like it's the first person dies. People used to mm -hmm. think women can't run marathons. Right. But if you run a marathon and you run it in three hours or you run it in five hours or you run it in two hours and 30 minutes, like, you know, it's still like an accomplishment. Like we should be praising, even though a lot of people can do it. That doesn't mean it's not hard in particular. But I get the saying too. It's like, yeah, why, why is it such a deal 
in comparison to other events. But like, I just don't think it's a bad thing that we celebrate people breaking four. Like, and I feel like that's kind of like where people are starting to head. Like, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I agree with Aaron. I agree with Aaron. Like, it's a it's a big deal to break four minutes, most definitely. Like, I don't think breaking four minutes is um, harder than breaking ten. I think that's kind of absurd. In, in a way to say that like breaking 10 seconds and then 100 is easier than breaking four i don't i don't know about that that's you gotta be pretty you gotta be a beast to break 10 seconds and 100 you know but uh just the fact of like like seeing colin Salman run 358 and to potentially to see one of his teammates do it this year too possibly like i think it's an amazing achievement and i love to see it like be done there's definitely deeper conversations that people have tried to go with it as well but like no 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 matter how you cut it like breaking four minutes is a big deal and i just think in our society right now like that's just where that's just where it's going to be it's never going to change like that but i also really feel like like it's a really big deal when a girl also breaks for high school i'm saying like two minutes in the 800 that's that's, that's almost same. <laughs> that's almost for me even bigger deal to see that happen sure. if so like that's an incredible thing too and i think that's going to be it possibly could overtake that four minute barrier being that excellence because we about to have three girls in the outdoor season possibly break three two minutes Amazing. and as a high schoolers and i think that's just maybe the trend for the next decade we'll see i think i think what the what the problem is and what people are upset about is like breaking four is hard and it's an accomplishment right but no one is saying like hey you broke four so you're like the greatest athlete in the world. Like no one is saying that. Like if somebody, I don't think anyone's saying that. I never took it like that. I just like, it's just like a barrier. Like right. someone breaking four isn't better than someone running 147. Like we know 147 is better. We know someone breaking two is better. We know someone breaking, running, running uh, nine, eight is better than breaking four. Like we know the times, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like the mile is like this. Like, I think the best way to think of it is like the mile is like the marathon. It's just like, it had they have like these like mystique accomplishments around them from just like like doing them that so yeah I, yeah that's how i kind of feel about it i think first of all we squashed the 10 second four minute comparison because way less people have run sub 10 than have run sub four um, but to your point josh you brought up that sub two half mile specifically for high schoolers for me that four minute mile it doesn't really necessarily represent you know, four laps under sub 60 or whatnot. It, it's, you, Aaron, you brought up, it, it represents breaking a barrier because people thought it was impossible, right? Mm -hmm. And then what was super interesting, uh, if you go and look at the history, you know, so Bannister runs, you know, sub four, and then a lot of people started breaking sub four because people saw like, oh, wait a minute, it is possible that somebody did it, so maybe I can't do it. And so the next person broke it, maybe Sydney Marie or somebody. And then now, you know, now everybody's like, oh gosh, anybody, you know, anybody, air quotes there, by the way, uh, can break <laughs> sub four. But what I'm, what I really want to kind of tie this together, Josh, is I think maybe the same thing is happening because you mentioned three high schoolers possibly can, can run sub two this year. I, I didn't know that. I think I knew of one I had heard about. I don't really keep too much tabs on the athletic side, athlete side. Um, but I think maybe Athemo and even before her, and I'm forgetting her name, she was also from Jersey. And I think maybe she was the first Ajay one. Ajay Wilson. Yeah, yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. I wonder if those two, Ajay and um, Athing, like started helping people to see like in high school, help girls in high school see, oh, wait a minute. I, I thought 205 was kind of the max. And then we'll, you know, maybe yeah. we go to college and 
the pros, but it's like this barrier of like, oh man, wait, they can do it? Well, then maybe I can do it. Maybe it's another barrier breaker that's going to start opening up the floodgates. Yeah, but I even like Mary Kane too. Mary Kane, what she was doing, like really just opening. I just feel like too, just for the high school girls, because because I coached with my dad at Norco High School, and we're looking at uh, what does it take for? Because we have this one girl that's really fast as a freshman. What's going to take for her to get the state in the mile? And like literally at, at Masters, like that's the time that you got to hit to just get to state and Division One. Well, just for the Southern section. You gotta run a 452 in the mile. And like that's the standard. There's there's something that like coaches have figured out and just that like for for girls, especially in high school and college, where it really just clicks and they're able to run faster than ever before. And I really do feel like it is the girls like Ajay beforehand and Mary Kane and a thing mode and Caitlin Tui like two years ago that have shown that like y'all can really run so so much faster and that gap between like the gap between like a, a fast high school boy high school, high school boy is much more shorter from like a high the, the best high school girls and the gap between a good high school girl is enormous it's so enormous but this year especially keeping your eyes on Sophia Gorion Juliet Whitaker and Roisin Willis because I really feel like in this outdoor season, well, we don't know. Sophia Gorion's about to race at USA Indoors, so you guys will know what she just may have ran 800. But uh, them three in 800 this year is going to be a sight to see. And I, I, I really do think it's the next wave. And we're going to be looking at the women's 800 in a different light in a couple years because at, at USA's, like in the championships, like trying to make the world championships, like everyone's going to be under uh like 158 like that i don't know it's it's or 159 it's gonna be crazy and, and i think mo is she even 20 yet maybe she's i 20? believe she's i believe she's 19 still yeah, i don't I think she's 20 too. that's what i'm saying like yeah not even 20 for crying out loud she's the world's <laughs> best 800 meter runner and i have a sneaking suspicion she's only going to get just a little bit better and better and better as she matures and continues to you know add strength and endurance and speed to her to her repertoire man holy cow it's amazing I also think too the state of just women's athletics too changing so much because you think about like you know at one point women weren't allowed to run the marathon they got into the they were allowed into the olympics later so like i think there's just so much more room for women to develop and grow and we see it like in the 5k like girls are or women are getting closer to breaking 14 in the five in the 5k like the record in the marathon is like 214 and like they're going, they're going crazy over there on that side too. And all across all events, they're running like Elaine Thompson's I ran 10, five, like across all events, they're improving so much. And I think that has to do with like the access to sport for women is like, it still has work, we still have work to do for sure, but it's growing more and more. And I, that's why it's like, bro, they have like so much room to improve. So I love the point you made though, about that comparison for the women's the two minutes in the 800 it's like bro let's joshua let's make that a let's make that a thing let's like oh play no no pun intended but <laughs> let's make that a thing um you, you know great point aaron and you're so young you you keep bringing up that women you know weren't allowed to run the marathon and, and you're you're actually you're dead set uh, but there's a lot of events 
that when you said that, it kind of made me think about like how young the training age for women athletics in certain events are if, as, actually for the whole thing, right? Cause it wasn't that long ago that there were no women athletics, like women, just girls in high school just couldn't. We yeah. Had, um, um, oh gosh, now I'm blank. Well, I had Karen Dennis, uh, from the, the head coach of Ohio state. She was on the podcast and she was talking about how, yeah, yeah, there were no opportunities to run track. Like I, I, I begged my way onto the boys team to run and, and things like that. Uh, and, uh, of course I'm forgetting, um, Sue Humphreys, that's who I'm thinking of, uh, who's, was a pioneer in women's track uh, specifically who, again, through high school, she's like, yeah, yeah, there were no opportunities. I, she started the first women's program at Arizona state for crying out loud. That, that's wow. not that long ago. Uh, yeah. So uh, pole vault and hammer just got added to the Olympics in 2000 and 2004. Th that's that's yesterday, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's only like yeah. been four champions basically in those events, man. So uh, I, I think you're right. I think not only you know I have this kind of hypothesis for track and field specifically that is, as good as it is right now. I mean, you know, go go turn on the TV and you know, people are doing amazing thing, right? Trevon Bamel and Fred Curley's and uh, a thing modes that we've mentioned, et cetera. I mean, just uh, how can we forget the 400 hurdles, what's going on there? That's nutsos, right? I think we're actually just at the beginning of, of a really crazy period for the next 10, 20, maybe 30 years because of really coaching education. I know maybe you guys don't even have worked, uh, like have done like USATF level one or USTF CCCA and things like that. But you know, when you first get into coaching, you typically fall back to coach how you were coached. And mm -hmm. then you do some coaching education and you get better and smarter and you talk to other smart people and you start evolving how you coach, right? Well, we're in such a beautiful time period for coaching education here for the past 15 years. These kids are being coached by better coaches right now. Well, those kids become coaches next. And so when they fall back to how they were coached to start out with, well, that's gonna be at a much higher level yeah than the predecessor so i just think we're as good as we think we have it right now i think it's about to go nuts for the next decade 15 years man it's going to be amazing and that's kind of like what uh because we had a conversation with shannon roberry when we were in at the lilac grand prix uh doing like some interviews and stuff up there and i can't remember what u.s championships it was and i think it was what she's saying like back in like 2008 or something like that but she like... yeah she was like at uh, u.s trials or championships and she was like the only person before the 15 like doing like like drills and stuff and doing like a warm-up like that wasn't like the common thing to have like this long drawn out warm up before the race and then all the other coaches were kind of just watching because their athletes were kind of just like chilling at that moment like an hour beforehand and then the next year everyone's sort of doing that like because of shannon's like success yeah. and so she was kind of just explaining to us like the evolution of the sport throughout the years and really just the training that people have gotten and stuff so it definitely is like it, it definitely we're definitely reaching that golden age and what i love about it too is that we're gonna it's gonna lead up all the way to 2028 when the olympics are in la yeah. and it's all like well for 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 us i'm all i'm kind of like because we from southern california i got to see michael norman run so i'm like michael norman this is your chance let's go <laughs> if you run the four under one but i'm all like that's really the next uh seven next six years like push track and field as much as we can and it can 
it can be on that level where we at least have one segment on Sports Center. Like, come on, like let's talk about it in the summer at least once. Like, it's definitely big enough to talk about at least once, one time. So we talked a little bit about it, kind of sprinkled here and there, Josh and Aaron. T tell us a little bit about your background. So you mentioned, you kind of hinted a little bit. You, you said you ran for Hoka, I think it was, and you ran for your high school crush. Country. Give us a little a bit about in, uh, your background in track as an athlete. And your dad's a coach, so I automatically have a lot of love for your dad. Tell us about your dad, <laughs> his influence on you guys uh, for the family. And, and you mentioned two other brothers, which means are you going to have to change the podcast name one day? Are they going to get involved here? And <laughs> <laughs> we could find a way we could find something for them to do but basically like yeah how it started was you know our dad was a professional uh boxer for a little bit and he ran like a little bit in uh wow. in high school you know to get in shape like do cross country and then basically you know instead of us boxing he he, he knew like track was a was a sport that you could get a scholarship a scholarship in there's a lot of opportunities there you know so that's that was like the whole purpose on put, in putting this in track, and it started off with our older brother Caleb, who was like had a lot of talent in the 800, um, and then our coach, club original coach, left, so my dad took over the program, and then um, we kind of all followed in the the footsteps laid laid down by my brother and my dad, and my my brother ended up running at NAU collegiately oh, wow. um, and running there, and then. Yeah, I kind of just followed in, in that footstep, running the mile and the 800 in high school, and then got a scholarship to run at Azusa Pacific. Great but school. once I graduated, once I graduated, like, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. Originally, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a coach. Like, that was, like, my big thing that I wanted to do as well. Um, but I thought there was just something more out there for me, and I, and I was liking the industry. So... Yeah, I was approached by um, a teammate to like join like this this semi-professional team in South Obispo. I was and I was able to continue working like customer service at Running Warehouse as well. So then I was just training and working. And then once I got I got hurt like around the time Joshua kind of started running running report, and we were always in talks like whenever he was making videos and stuff, like kind of working together. And that's what kind of led led to us you know creating the podcast eventually but track and field has just always been a huge part of my life like watching all of the meets and everything and our dad is the biggest i mean he could be he's been on some podcast episodes and that guy can <laughs> he can really he can really talk and he loves track more than all of us i would say definitely so he was it was definitely instilled in us you mentioned older brother you and Josh, you mentioned you're on the cross country team, so I might assume you were kind of eight, fifteen ish as well on the track. W was that your dad's kind of sweet spot, or did that just kind of how it fell fell out? Uh, you know, fell through with the training for you guys. Well, you know, they say in like they say in um, boxing as well, like it's fifty percent anaerobic and aerobic. Like it's the closest, it's the closest to being a middle distance runner. Interesting. So, I think that's. I think that's why, like we, I think we could have been like quarter milers too, to be honest. But I think like some of that gene is why we kind of like fit into, fit into that. I feel like. Yeah, my dad would probably say because I'm not really running right now, but my dad, I would probably there. I definitely could have been a 400 runner 
our brother Caleb was definitely more, he was 4'8". I ended up being more 8'15", and Aaron was more 8'15", as well. But I think I could, I definitely could have been a 400 runner, but it was really just around like 14, I kind of made the decision, oh, I'm going to do cross, and that kind of where I went. But I started running when I was five years old, and I really just wanted to run the eight because I saw my oldest, our oldest brother, Caleb, I saw him running the eight. So I was like, I want to do that too. Like, it's only two laps. I, I remember being little, like seeing him run. I was like, man, he just, he must just jog the first lap and sprint the next one. Like, it doesn't seem that hard. And then I found out, yeah, this this race is yeah. tough. <laughs> but so, Josh, where did, where did you go? Did you go to school to run track as well? Yeah, I ended up I ended up going to school at Cal State Northridge first yeah. to run track, and then um, I transferred to Mount Sac, and I was there for the the past two. Well, they had the past two years to run there. Then I'll go to Cal State Fullerton, but I'm not running collegially. They kind of just like focus on uh, focus on school, focus on like pushing the running report more, yeah. and. Yeah, for the most part. And it was just, yeah, I just want to get school done with at this point. Hey, but hey, I definitely hey, <laughs> I definitely feel like I, I have more left on the track, but I may still get there. We'll see what happens. But, you know, right now I'm pretty – I feel like I'm still getting my college experience and my college track experience from all the things we've done through the running report. So it's really fun to be able to chop it up with these people. And, and maybe I lost someone. I heard Caleb. That's the older brother. Is that right? So Caleb yes. lives in northern Arizona. That's amazing. Aaron, you go to Azusa Pacific. That's amazing. Josh, you go to um, uh, Full, or, yeah, Fullerton now, and then also Mount Sac, and um, um, I missed the, the North Northridge. Yeah, yeah. Where, where did the fourth? Where's the fourth brother? Did he go to? And I don't, actually, I don't even know. If yeah, brother, brother or sister. Did they go to school as well? <laughs> yeah, we had a fourth brother. He was actually he was playing football and he was a thrower. So he actually he went to Mount Sac as well, and then he got a full ride scholarship to Cal State Fullerton. But he didn't really get to, because of COVID and stuff, he didn't really get to compete. But yes, we have a, a our other brother David. He was a discus and and, and shot put thrower. What's uh, what's Dad's name? Keith Potts. Dude, <laughs> Coach Keith Potts, man, you're doing something right. I imagine there's a whole <laughs> ecosystem here with family and stuff as well. But four brothers that go on to to college bravo that's that's quite amazing and then to be you know for the two specifically here that you guys are building something of your own that's amazing man like that's that's bravo type stuff man kudos to you guys like like makes me feel even better about what you guys are doing honestly man it's so cool appreciate it shout out pops shout out pops yeah. he really did he he laid down the he laid down the groundwork and and he put uh he put the the goals out there, you know. He put the standards out there and let us go reach for it and chase for it and and see where we go end up. And I really feel like like the the discipline that I learned through club track and just like the be able and like the discipline from from all aspects in life that I learned from club track really have helped me through school, helped me through communicating with people and helped me through so many ways. So that's why I'm always like, if, if like a parent would ever be all like, should I, should my kids run club? I'm like, yes, like run club track. It's, it's one of the greatest experiences that you can have. Cause I went to like junior Olympics and stuff like that. And doing all, all of that when I was a kid, like being able to experience that and like strive for something and even continue through high school and college definitely uh, kept me on the right path, no matter what I feel like. So I speak to a couple of uh, classes in different colleges on uh, sports careers, right? Because um, a lot of times, maybe most of the time, 
kids, athletes think that the only thing available for them in sports is to become a coach. Like that's the only, if I want to stay in sports, I yeah. can be a coach. Right. Um, and I love being able to share, you know, like for my own example, I was a college coach for 10 years and now here at, at Gill athletics. Um, and I talk about administration. You know, I think more track people in it in college and high school administration is only good for our sport. But I love now being able to have this example of like, Hey, here's two guys that wanted to stay in the sport didn't go to coaching uh, because they're going to build something on their own, their own media empire, if I will say so uh, early at this point. But I, I love that example that you're staying in the sport, uplifting the sport, and not necessarily as a coach, which is the greatest part in the, in the sport, in my opinion. But uh, I, I love that. I love the, um, the the different avenue of staying in the sport and, and helping it grow. Yeah, and I'm I'm so huge on that. I'm so huge on that because, like, like I look back, I was like a Kinesis major in college and I look back to it and it's like, no, I was a track and field major. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's a thing for a lot of people in different sports though. I think people that play college basketball or college football or anything, you see them going on to like work at ESPN or mm -hmm. something of that nature. And I think now that I work at the brand level, I'm seeing more and more opportunity. I'm seeing how much these like stores are making and stuff. We're going to conferences and I'm seeing these people have like a registration app that that people work for. Like people are making medals for like medals for a living. People are putting on races. Like mm -hmm. people are designing shoes. Like there's so many opportunities that I think track and field athletes like in particular, like we don't like just like how we don't understand or don't watch the sport. It's also like, hey, there's this entire business of running like that you should yeah. be a part of and i feel like if we to make our sport better we need those those advocates like mm -hmm. on the inside on the brands whispering in their ears yep. like hey don't forget about like this race that the u.s indoor is like we could activate don't forget about this athlete doing this or you know what i mean mm -hmm. i just think it naturally it will naturally happen if we can get our people in the in here too and yeah. Go, go ahead, I was going to say, I think that's what was so great about us just going to the running industry conference, because that's what it exactly was being like former athletes and then at this, this space of just like industry professionals and like running, it was definitely something different. I would love to see like more of like this, this influx of like younger people going to these conferences as well and being exposed to this other side of running because i just became exposed to it simply just because of like aaron who, who works at hoka now my brother who works at at a running store now my oldest brother caleb and so like but for a lot of people they don't really see that as an opportunity and see that they're they're running like working in running in a sense and college not really working for running but like it, it kind of stops at the end, ends at high school or ends at running. Like you can really extend your career with this, but you just have to find that lane for you. And so I think being able to go to that conference was really just like, it really, it, it exemplified that in like the perfect way to show that like they're, they see all these opportunities that are involved in the sport. Yeah, another great example, shout out to my good friend, Blake Bolden, who's now the director of the Drake Relays. He was the director of the Indianapolis Monument Marathon. 
uh, series. You know, was it? You know, mm-hmm. I, you know I'm, I'm not a distance guy, and I certainly am not running a marathon. Uh, but I thought a marathon <laughs> is like just this one off. Here's 26.2 miles. But they were doing you know a 5K and a 10K, 10K and a road mile and relay uh, marathon. Uh, and then he helped merge the Indianapolis Monument and I think the Indy Marathon. I think it was two different organizations. He helped. So you had to have business acumen to bring those together, marketing uh, ideas and thoughts and uh, operations, just, you know, blocking off the streets and all this. kind. Of, it, it's like it's amazing the things that have to go into it. You don't have to just be a coach. Uh, again, I shouldn't even say that word just. It's the amazing, most amazing thing in the world to me. Uh, but there are many, many more other, other avenues for young people going through college to, to become this. You, you brought up Aaron. I was going to ask you because you guys, when you go, when you listener, if you go to their YouTube channel, uh, and it's easy, just go YouTube and literally type in running report. It pops right up. Uh, hit the subscribe button. They, they almost, when I'm recording this, I think it said 9.6 that, uh, 9.6K. I, I want by the time, see if this comes out into March, by sometime in April, this thing's got to be over 10K, well over. So go <laughs> to YouTube. But when you go check out your channel, your videos, lots of cool editing, things that I just can't even, I can't even spell editing. I went to school in Alabama, man, so I can't do this stuff. <laughs> so, so I was going to ask, did you guys major in anything media, media related? Aaron, you said you were kinesiology, which might be the farthest thing from creativity <laughs> and editing and chopping it up and stuff. Josh, what about you? Were you any kind of journalism or anything like that? Uh, I was a kinesi major, but then I'm now I'm now a journalism major now. Ah. So I, I do that now, but it all really well. Like when we started the YouTube channel, like with my friends back in high school, I I was it was at the same time that I was in what was that class? It was like the news class for like the school, and so not the news class. It was just like a like a video class. So I first learned like iMovie. Then it was kind of just like uh kind of just like teaching myself how to do it and kind of just like expanding my own creativity through like editing and stuff and just trying to see like what i see on sports center or something or first take and then just trying to implement that into uh the youtube videos or then for instagram seeing how like first how seeing how like espn or all these other places like do their their posts or like all the smoke do their posts and i was like all right i'm just gonna figure this out and At first, it was kind of hard, but then I think that's what I learned from track and field. Like, at first, running 10 miles is is tough. (laughs) Running 10 miles is tough at first, but after it's the sixth week and you're still running 10, it's all like, all right, that's the long run now. So so definitely got used to it. I I like it better that you started out as a Kines major and there you were a Kines major all the way through, man, because like that shows that if you just grind and kind of, first of all, we have no excuse anymore with YouTube and uh, LinkedIn (laughs) and everything like the Google, it has everything out there. It can teach you everything that you want to do out there. But I love that you didn't kind of come from that background, but taught yourself because you had a passion for like that. That seems like it's just even more authentic (laughs) to me. (laughs) Thank you. That's what, that's what it came from though that's what it came from just like i don't know i think at the end of the day like my goal if two black runners doesn't get as big as i want it to be but i know it can and running report doesn't get as big as it wants to be like i'm trying to be on i'm trying to be on espn like i'm trying to build up my res aaron always says like bro like what we have right now and instagram and stuff like you're building your resume so i think in a sense that's what definitely it is just this like this side project of building my resume for wherever this takes us and like people be telling me i'm like i look 16 sometimes so i'm all like dang i could play a child actor 
when I'm like 25. So I acting's not out of the realm of possibility either. Wherever <laughs> wherever this takes me, you know, just trying to uh trying to do anything that I can to like try and stay in this space and in this lane and see see where that takes us. Well, I hate to say that college majors don't matter anymore, but I, I can tell you both that, you know, if, if we were to hire like, hey, let's hire a full time kind of videographer, social media person. And I got a resume that said journalism. OK, first of all, I was a journalism major. Do you think the things that I learned? I graduated in 2000. Do you think the things I learned in my journalism class from 96 to 2000 have a lot to do with today's <laughs> journalism? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, no. I remember being excited getting my first Hotmail account, my first email account when I was in college. OK, come on now. We have no <laughs> social, no phones, et cetera. Right. Uh, but if someone came to me and said, yeah, 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 I, I may I may have been a Kines major, but here's what I've done. I created this show and this show and you know, I got this many subscribers. I'd be like, uh, uh, OK, hold on, because that's exactly what I want. <laughs> it's like hire that guy right now. <laughs> that's that's yeah. exactly right, man. I, I love that. I love that. What um you mentioned it earlier, I, I one of my favorite videos and maybe one of the first videos that I kind of interacted with you, you probably don't remember because you have so many followers and so everybody interacts with you, <laughs> but was the interviews from the pre-classic. And I was there and I kicked myself in the butt that I didn't run into you guys because you guys did some really cool uh, athlete interviews back in like the uh, media room, but also like in front of the, the gate and whatever and stuff like that. What has been like your most fun interview that you've done, like maybe the person was more quirkier than you thought they were going to be and it had you know was more flavor to it or uh something like that what was kind of the most fun memory you have of all these great people that you've interviewed not just famous like athletes you know you've interviewed regular people and coaches as well what's been like your most standout man why can't i think that's that's yeah that's because they've done so many folks that's why yeah. I think <laughs> i'll say i'll say this right now this wasn't i mean we did an interview with with shannon roberry but i would say like this is, this is just recency bias. Like Shannon Roberry, we met we met her at Lilac. That was the first time. And bro, she is so she has so much more like energy and personality than I ever thought. Like I feel like when she raced, like she they only showed her like on the track. And I just remember her like being like very like killer, like mindset. Like, but she was like so chill, so so like so funny um and super and yeah like you're saying like very quirky like i did not i did not expect that expect that from her like i was like yo she's dope she was just yeah. a super nice super nice person and, and that was a great facility right like you were amazed by yeah yes yeah. uh recency by see i did that track that's all my equipment that i put out there hey. so, so i love <laughs> that place <laughs> no you killed that you killed that it, it's, a, it's well they did they designed it they did it they did an amazing job Josh, what about you? What's uh, maybe a, a person that stuck out was just kind of like it was super cool or just kind of surprised you to interview? Uh, I would say that what really what's sticking out to me is any time that we did like the spelling bee questions yeah. and we did that like the pre-classic and we did that at Foot Locker. And those were just like it was hilarious, especially what, what sticks out to me, too, is when we did Rebecca Mara and uh, what? Abby, Abby Cooper now, but she was Abby D back in the day. Like when we did them and like Rebecca Mara actually got Constanza Klosterhofen right. And I was like, I was like, how? I guess she, it's because she's a Stanford nerd, but it's just, 
it's just funny. And then interviewing Abby Cooper was really fun because I remember like being younger and watching her when she was at Dartmouth, just like destroying. But she's just like the nicest person ever too, as well. And like she was just so like she was so into it, trying to get these like names right. I think she missed Craven Galepsi as well, and it was just it was just it was really just like a fun and like good time as well. And then but another person that was like surreal. It wasn't like this person wasn't really like quirky or like, but it was just like cool and was surreal is when last year we, we interviewed uh, Michael Johnson. That was like a very surreal moment. And actually, I, cause I was, I was, I thought about that because that's about almost a year to, I think it was in March when we interviewed him. So I, I was just thinking about that the other day. Like I gotta, I gotta post a, a thing about that. Like the, one year from that interview. The Michael Johnson, 1932, Michael Johnson. Is that who you yeah. 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 How, how was that? Holy cow. It was, that was a dude. It was weird. That was awesome. I was like, we're really doing this? Is really doing this? Like, is this a fake link? But no, that was that was an awesome experience. And like to hear his story and learn more about like that mindset in a way is, is definitely I would love to interview him again. I think we will interview him again at some point. Like that was cool. Yeah, I love how much like thought he has about the sport too and like the direction it's going and everything. He's like a he's definitely like an advocate for the sport being like bigger and more mainstream too so that was super interesting yeah it's interesting he doesn't have a bigger presence today right because like that was the giant as i was growing up through track and field right i mean there was no one bigger better badder than than him besides you know carl lewis and then johnson you know they kind of had some crossover there of course but uh it's it's amazing that you know i wonder how many kids today i say kids mm -hmm. know who he is not was who he is and what he did because we're uh, you know to aaron's point about recency bias bias we're so caught up in today and not the history of it and i'm not sure many people did as much history as that guy did in our sport yeah and we were just talking about that too on our orlando trip because one of the conversations brought up just about like how like steve prefontaine like steve prefontaine being such like this uh like he's michael jordan for us in in track and field when like no offense to Steve Prefontaine, but Steve Prefontaine didn't do a whole lot compared to like a Michael Johnson, like the mystique of Michael Johnson and then a Carl Lewis, and even even to an extent like Jackie Joyner Kersey has but, but, like. But you know why? Yeah, we know why. Because yeah, I, yeah, cause I we agree know with you 100%. Why. We're not supposed to say this out loud. I, we may actually be thinking of something <laughs> different, so I'm going to say my part first. I, I agree with you, but we're not supposed to say that because it's pre and it's track and everything, right? I think it's because he died early. Mm -hmm. So what that allows us to do, like you think about, um, this is way before your time because it's way before my time. James Dean was this, you know, rebel actor, you know, the cigarettes in the short sleeve, and he died early, right? And think of some of these musicians, Elvis Presley, et cetera. They died early, and they become bigger than life, right? Because it now allows guys like me and you to imagine what could have been. Man, think yeah. about it, Josh. If if Pre would have lived, you know, he was runner up or fourth or whatnot in the Olympics, he would have won the next one and probably won three events, and he would have set all these more American and world records. But maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I, I think that's why Pre is like this bigger than living legend. We know what Michael Johnson could have done because we saw it. You know, we know what uh, Usain Bolt and Carl Lewis could have done because we we saw it. But with pre, it's like, yeah, he was taken too early. And so now we get to imagine all the gold medals and world records that he would have won, you know? 
Yeah. Well, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's definitely that definitely is true. And then on top of that, him being from Oregon sure. and being able to have like that Nike connect and then Nike basically like kind of owns the sport in this sense, being able to plaster him and push him to the very, very top and like not really take him off of it is where where that really goes uh, as well. And was yeah. it Phil, either Phil Knight was his teammate or a year before, a year at, but you know, there was crossover with Phil Knight who becomes Nike, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100% there's all this, you know, when we try to t um, dissect something about why it happened, we like to try to find one thing, like, oh, he went to Oregon, that's why. It, usually one thing is not the one thing. So he died early, that's part of it. He went to Oregon. I, I don't know if Prefontaine goes to um, – uh, Villanova yeah no. I don't I don't think so I <laughs> just mm -hmm. uh, and then Phil Knight if you know if he doesn't go to Oregon and create Blue Ribbon Sports and then Nike is Eugene Tracktown USA at that point I don't I don't know it's 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 all wrapped in together this cultural thing that you couldn't have planned if you tried uh, a lot of happenstance in there uh, that made it what it is and now Eugene of course is track and field mecca at least for America and at least for another year right because of world champs <laughs> What's interesting about that too is like, um, I was listening to like a podcast Sidious Mag did with Seb Co, and he was like talking. They asked him like, "Do people like outside of the U.S. know what Eugene is?" Like, it's like, "Yo, you're coming to America for this meet," and it's like, it's not in L.A. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like in New York. It's not like in a major city. It's in Eugene, Oregon, which is which is cool, but. You know, I want to have some races in L.A., man. Like, I think that could also, like, ele could elevate, like, the sport a little bit. Like, because those are, those are, those are the, the entertainment centers of the world. So, that it, it, it's interesting. But it is all because of Phil Knight. Like, he really, he really made all this happen. So, like, there are some things that Phil Knight has done. Like, you know, Prefontaine, like, is that the best thing for us? But it's also, like, Nike does, like, sponsor so many people in the sport like to be honest they fund so much of track and field they're a big reason why track and field is relevant at all but i also think sometimes brands have too much power they control mm -hmm. they control the sport too, too much yeah no, don't disagree there when you said about prefontaine did you mean the person or that meat because i think that meat is one of the oh the meat's amazing i was it's, just saying it's amazing like, yeah, yeah yeah okay i, I was just wondering because i was like man yeah, that yeah, meat yeah. is that i i didn't get to go to the pre until relatively late in my life like literally maybe seven years ago was my first one and i've only been to one other uh this past year that meat like to me that's like oh that's how track and field should maybe be packaged you know one and a half hours yeah. roughly uh something's going on at all times a great announcer keeping you in the loop of stuff Man, that's a meat, buddy. Whew. That the one, only uh, thing. The Go ahead, Aaron. I, I was going to say that meat last year and then the uh, Olympic trials when they had it there. Those meats were, those were fire. Those were amazing. I, I, thought, ahead, you were say, I thought you were going to say it was hot. And I was like, well, yeah, it was 110 degrees. So, yes, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, two, two things about our trip to like pre that really fascinated me just about the meat in general was like we, we would meet people that either like that were alumni of Oregon that like didn't run track or just people that lived in Eugene that are like, yeah, this is our, this is our 15th uh, uh, Prefontaine. It was like, cause out here we got a, a triple A or a double A team called the Quakes. It was like people going to go watch the Quakes 
you know, like this is their team or having season tickets to the Dodgers. Yeah. That's how I felt like they had loyalty just to the meet and going out to watch it every single week. And I was like, this is cool. This is really cool to see like this type of atmosphere around the meet and people, people that were even like, they weren't these, like these alumni from Oregon didn't run on the team. Right. They just went to Oregon, like probably were all like, dang, like there's a lot of hype at Hayward Field. Let me go watch. And then probably just fell, fell in love with it as well. Then the other thing I had to say too, like about like Prefontaine, classic and just the presentation and i like how it is like boom 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 it's like a short package meet and everything but the one thing i do wish that happens in track and field i think there needs to be a little bit more of a gap between races and like we can still have like the field events going on but a gap in between that where that definitely on the broadcast we can build up what's going to happen next because sometimes the things the next race happens and you don't really know all the storylines that are happening in between but if you're able to have like at least like five or six minutes in between and then on the field or something people are discussing like oh like this this type of storyline who's gonna win this type of debate of what's gonna happen next i feel like it just will add an extra layer and bring on to something that we don't see bring on that extra that extra spice like in like the NFL and stuff like that to give people that give someone the cheer behind and stuff like that. I just think it moves like a little bit too fast. And I think if there's a little bit more of a gap, it would be better, but it would also extend the meat too. Like, well, so I don't know. I, I'm really glad you said that Josh, because I was a little scared of this interview going so far. Cause I was like, man, I really agree a lot with what Josh says. And I really agree with what Aaron says. Like I'm a hundred percent agreeance with him. And now because you said that, I get to say, yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't, dis I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, you have to have a little bit of disagreeance for, for life to happen. So uh, I'm glad you said that Josh, cause that's the worst idea in the whole world that I've ever heard. From <laughs> <Field>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because when you guys did Trials and Miles, you guys were doing some of the interviews and they put you in the little box in the corner to watch the next race. The next race was going on, but I could still hear and see your interview. I, I think I could be making that up, but uh, but I believe that's what happened. And so it was like, oh, I got to still hear and see the, the interview, but I didn't miss a lap. And I'm not necessarily, and I'm not a distance guy, so I don't want to see all these laps of the 10Ks and stuff personally, but it was able to have both at the same time. But what I do agree with you, Josh, is how do we package and tell more of the story of what's going on? And, and that I think is really lacking in track and field specifically on the college and downside is the team score side of it. You know, right now yeah. uh, using that trials of miles, the, the 110 meter hurdles goes off and there's a winner in a second and third place outside of the time, which we get real hung up on track and field, right? If it doesn't set a world record or American record or whatnot, it's like, well, that person sucked. And it's like, man, that guy just ran the, you know, his personal best or whatever. It doesn't even matter. They won. Um, but we don't know what, how did that affect the meat? We, mm -hmm. we, we have no idea. There's a person ran, there's a time or a person jumped, there's their distance. No clue how that affected Oregon or San Diego state or whoever else was at that meet. That I think is, is where the story. And, and I think we've seen that with division one when they went, you know, a few years ago, they went women on like Thursday and Saturday yeah. and uh, men on Wednesday, Friday. So they could focus just on the men's team title chances and then the next day on the broadcast is just the women i think that's helped bring people in now to your point about rooting for oregon even though i didn't run for them or whatnot and some people root for oregon they didn't even go to school there now i have a rooting interest i see where oregon is on the women's side uh, compared to you know a and m and florida and nca and t etc 
Yeah, I think I they really did a really like, good job about that. The NCAA men on one day and the women. I think that's that's a really great, great format. I was just gonna agree with you. Like the NCAA's is is one of the best track meets of the entire year. Like they do the storylines well. You kind of can keep up with the story, but I even think how they like advertise the individuals mm -hmm. is is really good too. But I think that that's a NCAA's is definitely one of the best track meets. But there's a lot of track meets that. Like I watch and I'm like bored. Like I think we do like the Olympic pretty well and like these bigger meets, but then like some of the smaller ones, I don't I don't really want to say these names because I don't have to like it. But I yeah, just like recently there was one that was really hyped and I was excited to watch it. And honestly, I was I was bored. I was bored watching it. And I still don't think we figured out like that formula to like because going to a track meet is dope. When you go to a track meet, a professional track meet is good. Like you're like, yo, this is, this is cool. This is hype for the most part. I would say most times, but a lot of times watching it on TV, it doesn't. The energy just doesn't trans translate. It doesn't feel like you're there. Whereas if I'm watching an NBA playoff game and everyone's going crazy in the stands and stuff, like <laughs> you don't even have to be a, you know, like you don't even have to be a basketball fan and you just you're like, oh dang, like this is like important. Like you're, you're you can tell it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you mentioned NBA, but you know, that NCAA tournament is the greatest example, right? Of like yeah. people who don't care about basketball. I'm that guy. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I pay attention to March Madness. I like to see when 16 seed, you know, UMBC beats number one seed or the 12 seed over eight. Uh -huh. it, it, there's, there's a story there. Exactly right. You, you made me think about, you know, when we watch football and basketball, when, a running back runs for 110 yards, but he's run for 180 before me. Let's say his PR is 180, right? When when he runs for 110, no one says, "Oh, he had a bad game. He sucked." You know, he, he's run he's run for 180, but he only got 110, so he sucked. That's what we do in track and field. Shakiri yeah, goes out yes, and wins. And ten, yeah, go, Shakiri goes out and runs 1080, and we go, "Yeah, but she's run 10.6 or whatever PR is." It's like, man, not a good race for her. It's like, yeah, but she won. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. What are we doing here? It cannot be to your point about when you go to the meets or if you watch it on TV and it's not really, you know, enjoyable. It, we become in a lot of places a time trial sport, and it can't be that. It can't be PR or bust. It, it, it can't be. I'm sorry. Just we, we won't grow our sport. We'll continue to be where we are today. I've been saying this too. Like, I think I'm just. I've come to the conclusion. I think it's because. Like we are a PR sport because like not every athlete is getting appearance fees. They're not getting like TV money deal, so, so TV money. So like they're not getting money based off how many people are in the stands. Mm -hmm. They're getting money off of medals and records. Yeah, so great, great point. So they're not hyped to race somebody like yeah. they don't, you know, and I think that I think that energy is shifted because it's everything is just like, yo, what is your time? Did you win this medal? It's almost like in the yeah. NBA, how people sit out because they're like, yeah. people don't play every game now because it's like, yo, if I don't get rings, y'all going to say that I'm not good. Right. So it's like, I think the whole business, it's like, I'm going deep into it, but the whole business model like has to be like changed somehow to be more like in favor of the athletes. I so feel like. so let's, let's pivot a little bit because definitely this is not going to happen by the time you're listening to this on the podcast. You talk about hype and, you know, do, do I have something to run for even if I don't PR or medal? What do you think about this? Uh, I think it's Trayvon, right? Trayvon, uh, and I actually, he's not the one who started. Who started? Cheetah started it. Um, 
Tyreek Hill. Say his name again. I'm sorry. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek. Yeah, yeah, of course. Gosh dang it. You know, Tyreek saying, I'll take anybody, all comers. And I love Trayvon. I love this attitude of like, I got 10K. Where you want to go? Let's let's do it. And then, now this may be a little bit, I don't know about this one necessarily, but then Trayvon took it another step and said, hey, I'll take, I can't remember the exact names, but basically it was two female U.S. athletes, and I think Marvin Bracey yeah. was the other male. Uh, it was Tiana Daniels, and I'm, I don't remember who the other I think one. it was Shakari. Was it Shakari, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Shakari. Oh, okay. <laughs> got, got you. That's a media guy right there. You. If you're watching on YouTube, you <laughs> pulled it up, man. I love it. So, yeah, so Shakari. So, now this is some... I think kind of some cool height because I, I actually in bring the into the discussion of DK Metcalf right when he ran at Mount Sac, a lot of people were like hate it. It's a it's a makes track a clown show. I actually liked it because a it showed a really good athlete DK Metcalf, amazing athlete, and he got smoked and he actually really practiced <laughs> like he he really took it serious and you, you might well not even been in the race bro. Uh, and now with Trayvon, is is this the way track goes? Is this the way we should be doing it, or is this just going to help with maybe the other things that we need to be doing, you know, making it professional and non-PR sport and all that kind of stuff? You want me to go, Aaron? You want to talk about you want you you the you the main? You want to talk about DK, Aaron? I'll let you get that. (laughs) All right, bro. I got a big. I got opinions on this. So, first thing, DK Metcalf. I don't like that. I think that's dumb. Okay. And I think that's dumb (laughs) because. Because uh, as you said, like, like we're turning into like this PR sport, right? Like this guy was celebrated for getting like last place. Mm-hmm. You know, people were still football players like, oh, well, he ran kind of fast, whatever. Or like, oh, he held his own. But, but did like, it yo, show that he got smoked though? It showed that he got smoked. It didn't show that Craven Gillespie went to Mount Sac and came back to his home, home, hometown and won the race. Right. No one knew uh... about that. It didn't, okay. I, I think it put all the attention on DK Metcalf and not the people in the other lanes. And I also you know, think good, about good, it. Good point. Cause I wouldn't have, I'd have I, I, I wouldn't even have taken the bet. I, I didn't know who won that race. That, that's a real, that was a really good point. You said Kirvana was like, hey, what's he bringing up Kirvana for? I was like, oh, he won. That's right. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Good point. And I'm like, yo, DK, you took some, he probably got paid to go there and stuff too. And it's like, you took the lane from somebody that was trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. So you out here playing around. I ain't buying that. Cause there's other beats this mystery person could have could have hit and, and they ran uh, prelim. So uh, someone had their chance to beat him to get into the final in that race. So I'm not buying that part, especially because we're talking back in the 10 three range. So I'm sorry if Mr. 10 27 didn't get a chance to still not qualify <laughs> for the Olympic trials. I am with you, you savage. The, I, am, <laughs> I am with you on the uh, circus. You know, it took off who should have gotten credit. Gillespie 100% should have gotten credit for winning a big meet 100 meter dash certainly so, so i don't think that i don't think that meet like made watch more people watch the olympics or watch track or mm. i don't think it did anything for track athletes but this other thing though i like this a better i like that idea better like having like um Bramel, bracy shakari and tiana daniels versus some like a, a football team i think there's a way that you can incorporate like fun stuff like this but I don't think you should do it at a serious, a serious meet. Like maybe there's like an all-star meet at the end of the year or something. But I also like Trayvon's attitude around it too. Cause like this, that's an ESPN topic where you could be talking about, cause Shakari Richardson is the main reason. If she does it, that's gonna like, you know, that's gonna, um, you know, a tide lifts all boats or whatever. That's gonna turn heads. That's a topic you could talk about 
on there and then it's going to be like yo you're going to want to watch her race you're going to watch her race more because she's already already doing that and i just feel like too like i'm tired i am tired of these nfl players keep on saying like oh we're gonna race we're gonna race it's like bro just pull up like thank you race bro they yeah because it's like y'all not gonna y'all just talking to talk and i think romel's just like bro pull up like here's my team get anyone I, I agree josh that it ain't gonna happen first of all my man ray is trying to make it happen he's got do you know ray edwards yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah shout out ray I, I know ray ain't listening but i love him to death good friend of mine uh he's running he's doing a meet in atlanta on may 7th so he's trying to get that four by one hooked up right but here's the other reason why it's not gonna happen josh the money ain't nothing for the nfl guys so you know a track guy you know, 60 grand for a track guy i don't care at this point unless you you know former usain bolt 60k for any of our track people is like hey, yeah where do you want me to be uh, i'm racing for it right yeah the track guys like look man i ride the bench and i make two mil what's 60k that's <laughs> i i got that on my wrist you know <laughs> so i don't think it's <laughs> going to happen for that alone that it's just like there's no motivation for the for the nfl guy there's motivation for the track people i don't think there's motivation for the nfl guys I think it would be a really cool race, though, especially the four by one. And if we can tie this together with Grant Holloway and Rob Benjamin running that 200 meter hurdle race in the same meet, I think it could be something that we can definitely watch. And if we can get people like Terrell Owens and Chad Ochocinco on the other side and maybe like a Michael Parsons, especially like T.O. and and oh, but then with Tyree Kill as well, because like T.O. and, and Ochocinco, like they're going to talk too so like getting those personalities and then have them get shut up by track athletes and my my hope is that like somebody's gonna run them down that Trayvon Bromel is gonna run them down or Marvin Race is gonna run them down and just prove that like well depending on how they set it up because someone else yeah. put this up on Twitter you know someone and it was some I can't remember what coach it was, it was a you know a, a coach I would say is well respected and knows their stuff on that four by one race, the two females and the two males versus the four male NFLers that, you know, of course, it depends on who they get from the NFL. But the, the two people running the legs against the women are, aren't going to lose. The, the, the NFLers aren't. OK, so it really comes down mm -hmm. to the two male legs and the handoffs. And yeah. we've all seen enough four by ones. And this isn't a click <laughs> on Team USA. I ain't even going there. I'm just talking about handoffs. <laughs> like, do you really want to like get, we lose a lot of. A lot of moxie in track and field if these NFLers beat us because we fumbled, true. fumbled the baton. I, hey, we should. If we can't get the baton around, but the NFL players can, like, come on. That's bad. That's good they just got to practice. They just got to practice, yeah, man. And I, I feel like it's going to be especially hard because, like, I feel like no matter what, like, Trayvon Bromel is going to run up on Sha'Carri. No matter how hard Sha'Carri gets out, like, if that's the handoff, like, he's going to run up on her and it's going to be an awkward handoff. But our... Are T.O. And, and Chad Chad Johnson really going to get that good of a handoff off? Like, they no, probably going to be, be stumbling like and bumbling. They're going to be like gonna the, do four, the four by four? four by four. Yes, they're not going like they're not going like that. I don't <laughs> even think that, that they're going to do that. I, I think even worse. I think the outgoing runner won't go out. They'll, so they'll, they'll be almost yeah. sitting there. And so the runner's going to run up on them. It'll be, you know, it'll be a whole whole thing. All right, I'm having so much fun. I got another subject I want to bring up specifically on the four by one. Uh, pause that. You mentioned the... Rob Benjamin and um, uh, Grant Holloway. Is that not making track and field a circus? We're taking two guys out of their main uh, events to put them together. I know it's not an NFLer, but that's not traditional track. Is that not bringing circus or is that that's okay because we're not bringing in another sport person? 
I think that's that's competition. That's taking the PRs out of it. That's being competitive and creative and putting literally the two Grant Holloway doesn't have the American record in the 110 hurdles yet, but putting yeah, the he, two You might have it by the time this publishes and it's not even outdoor season yet. So yeah. <laughs> so like that's putting the two best, like that's putting a heavyweight fight together, like a promoter bringing that together and like see what could happen. And what was it? Is it, I always forget the names, but what was the pay-per-view meet back in the day? Was it Michael Johnson and was that Maurice Green? You're so young. It kills no, me. No, it was, it, it was, go ahead, go ahead. It was Maurice Green and Michael Johnson. Yes. Oh, you're okay, so okay. It hurts me. That what about like, that 150 though? Or that two? Oh, that, that was, that that was uh, Donovan and uh, Michael. That, that's what it was. Yeah. What, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. That, that was iconic for my age group, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you, though. I didn't even think about that, and it's kind of the same comparison. Yeah, yeah, most yeah. definitely. I think that will bring even more attention to these characters, in a sense, larger-than-life characters. Now, when – and if that's definitely – I feel like even if it's aired on YouTube, like, it can get playtime and it can get somewhere, like, people are going to see that this is happening. But that just brings even more attention – around Grant Holloway and Rye Benjamin when it becomes 2024. Because you know what they're gonna be talking about when they're on the start line? Oh, they also did this amazing race where he competed against the fastest 400 meter hurdler in the world. And so it's all like, I think that brings extra element to them. But are you talking to the very people you don't need to be marketing to? And that's current track fans. We, we don't need to be marketed to. We, we need to get those other people who aren't coming to meets. I think that I think a meet like that can get because like the DK Metcalf thing when I go back to that like I think that got maybe some like who did that get to watch like maybe some football people like I don't and I and also this is what I said when it came out I was like I 100% bet you like most of the people just watched it on ESPN him everyone on ESPN was watching a prelim of this dude getting last and was like yo this is so good for our and sport out. yeah yeah and it's just like bro that doesn't do anything like we have to think of how do we activate that person that ran in high school, you know, Here's as like some knowledge of it. I was 100% wrong on this. I didn't necessarily think that that race itself, you know, when it was um, aired on TV was the big thing. I thought, and I would have put money on this, that during NFL season, anytime DK Metcalf did something, they would have said, and look what he did this past summer. He went and got smoked at the, you know, this track meet or whatever. And I don't think that, ha I don't watch NFL, but I don't remember seeing it in the Twitterverse. No one said like, look, man, they brought up how he got smoked. The NFL's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, track and field. We're just going to stay focused on what we're doing on the field. Yeah, most definitely. But I think like Joshua said, like adding in like the competition and hype. And I think if you do like a meet like that, that's when you can add in like Tyree Kill versus you saying bowl or something, or maybe like you have a meet where we're, we have like regular hundred races, but then we have like, you know, a fun celebrity hundred and we have like T.O. and Chad, they're racing each other, but we know they're not on the level of our athletes at all. So that goes back to those old shows, the um, world's greatest like, athlete type shows where they would take like the, you know, top football player, a top actor, a top baseball player. And they would do like these different, uh, you know, sprints. And then also, you know, tire swings and all this kind of you know it was, it was kind of a cool little athletic all-stars tv show that they had that was really popular back in the day like pros versus joes that was uh, i think it was yeah. on spike i think yeah. it was on spike yeah, back in the day yeah i used to watch that didn't someone die from that didn't a running uh tv like kill somebody 
I may be an exaggeration, oh. but it was it was not good. <laughs> it was literally hey, yes, <laughs> All right, one, one more question, and then we'll start wrapping up. I'm having such a ball. Thank you guys so much for uh, – this is really just personal for me. I'm just having a, a good time, man. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> so here's my other thought, okay, because you guys are into it, man. So I, I want to know – I have all these ideas that I don't always put on Twitter. I know people think I put everything on Twitter, but there's some that I keep back. All right, so we're talking about 4 by one What if – because the big problem with four by one is the top three plus the fourth person is in, in you know maybe one or two other people right are in this um, group for the relay for the Olympics or the world champs right and then it's hard to practice and of course there's all the politicking of the anchors and whatnot and blah 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 right so people have always said that we should be able to take any four Americans and win the four by one so what if we took places five six seven and eight they didn't make the team. Conceivably so. Let's say that let's say there's no 200 meter and things like that, right? We take those four people, and now for the time between the trials and the the Olympics and, or the World Champs, those four people are our four by one, and so they're doing nothing but practicing four by one. They don't have to worry about running 100 meter heats or 200 meter heats, etc. They are practicing, and they're kind of lucky to be on the team, <laughs> uh, but they they are a four by one team. So they would go that's, through that's, the that's, final. Yeah, yeah, those, those number five, six, seven, and eight. That's our team. That's who we enter practicing. into the Olympics. Yeah. And, and they're practicing. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have to worry about the 100-meter open and all this other stuff. They just focus on the 4 by one Your your silence tells me that was the dumbest idea in the world is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm just like, someone's going to be upset. You're messing up somebody's money, man. They're like, I need this who? medal. No, no. One, two, and, one, two, and three still have a shot at the individual 100-meter medal. They want, they're going to want to be on that. They're going to want two medals, like – they're gonna win all of it i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know we don't always get what we want <laughs> but it is it's like if that were to, if that was an initiative that happened though like i could under like, i still want christian coleman and 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 these people on the, like i want i trust them being all like you got the stick last leg like you're going to get it there but then it's all like i do understand because definitely for the u.s over i don't know i feel like every since i've been alive it's it's always been are we gonna make the stick around all the way especially on the men's side so if that was implemented that would make sense and it would be something different but it's all like when we can get the stick around it's dominant 2019 like that was that was beautiful to watch like really is it really that bad is it really that bad that we gotta <laughs> get five six seven and eight like we can't trust maybe the top. first of all it's go, not it shouldn't be that bad a, like Aaron, go look at the results first of all so yes it is that bad <laughs> in general second of all we'd still win we'd uh still possibly win. we no, possibly go look go back in the trials i'm going to do this on twitter now go back in the trials <laughs> look at who got five six seven eight. i guarantee they're studs they made our finals it, it ain't no joke to make our finals in the hundred I just feel like you yeah. deserve that chance to get two medals, though, too. Like, like it's like, yo, I'm the best in the world. If I want to be on the 4 by one I should be on it. I want to get two medals. And unfortunately, in the last several Olympics, no one's had that because we haven't gotten the stick around. And this one was the worst one, right, because we, we actually got the stick around and we didn't make it. But I have something that could also help the problem as well. I think at U.S. championships, we should have a 4 by one race. And I'm not saying putting like the all-star team together, but everyone coming with their different sprint groups, or if you don't want to be a part of it, you don't got to be a part of it, but you just like practicing four by one, kind of just 
at least even just two weeks out before USA's and kind of continuing that okay. and then seeing how people pass around the stick and then you can get an extra bonus for that person that team that wins y'all get a bonus for winning the four by one at the end of the meet i think that adds more excitement to usa's in a way because you're like oh we get to see a relay and it's all like we're practicing four by one all throughout the year not just three weeks before the world championships or the week of the olympics okay so. but trayvon's group wins the four by one at the olympic trials but marvin bracy wins the 100 meter open and marvin says that's not fair i wanted to win my two medals I think you what? have to, I think if you meet the requirements, like, hey, you have to participate in a four by one if you want to be on the four by one. Like, you gotta at least have ran a relay at USA's if you're gonna be on the team at the Olympics. I think that's kind of, I think that's fair. Here's and then that, that four by one team that wins at USA's, like, they're, if you don't make it in like the hundred or whatever, you're in the relay pool, and then the top three are in the relay pool, and that the coaches just pick and choose and, and who had the, the best handoffs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what I know for sure, guys. We ain't solving this. <laughs> Period. Not even today. Yeah. We just ain't solving it. All right, let's start wrapping up here, guys, man. I'll, I'll talk to you guys for hours, man. Um, what I really want to know is, you know, I really enjoy your content, what you do. I love your thought processes. Uh, I love the, the, the spelling game, things like that. I just love being able to see the personalities of the athletes, although I'm very much focused on the coaches. I would wish you guys would do more coaching stuff, but what's the future? Where, where are we going with this? What, what, do, you, what do you hope running report two black two black runners podcast what, what are we hoping this goes into josh you kind of mentioned you josh is the future guy isn't he aaron because he kept talking about the future his resume being on espn but what are we trying to do here with this with what you're you guys are creating your creativity i wouldn't say i'm the future guy but aaron has like a whole bunch of ideas what he wants to do <laughs> but i'll stick i'll stick to the running report side and then i'll let aaron go off too. I think really for the running report, especially in 2022, we want to kind of build this umbrella of that is the running report that kind of just spits out this news media that we do that's for the culture and by the culture and always through that and do that through video. So trying to bring that what you see on Sports Center, on Fox Sports, on NFL Network and MLB Network to try and bring that to running through Instagram and YouTube through different types of types of shows. So actually in March, we're going to start doing our running report show more like weekly. And then uh, we're going to do some other shows, too, like focusing on high school track and field as well. And so that's definitely coming very soon to just try and bring that more like debate style and relax and just building up the storylines uh, weekly and monthly throughout leading up to the world championships and really for running report, trying to build build just trying to build a video platform to where that you can go on YouTube and kind of just get that same argument that you're seeing about Stephen A going off on Kyrie Irving but instead it'll be me and Aaron going off on Christian Coleman <laughs> and that will be that will be the topic and be able to get that type of fix because I feel like that really was able to connect to our uncles in a way and like our uncles all ran track and one of our one of my uncles he actually still has a four by one record at cal state northridge wow. and so i think for them to see us and be connected back into like track and field it, that's my barometer in a sense like if they're able to like get it and want to see like when mill rose and prefontaine and new balance indoor grand prix comes back on like they're tuning in and recording to go watch i'm like all right we're doing something right love it love it aaron for me i want I want running report to be like ultimately embedded into the culture of like track and field, but like 
just running as well. Um, I want us to be like, cause running report will become like an umbrella of two black runners and other shows that we're working on. But I wanted to be, cause I see two black, I see two black runners, the podcast, like as we're just two black runners and we're not limited to just, we're just two black runners and we can speak to anyone. And I ultimately, I'm like, if that's someone from a coach, if that's someone like designing shoes, if that's an athlete, if we're telling you about opportunities in the track and field space, I see like, I don't know if you ever watched like The Breakfast Club, but their whole show is centered around music, R- but they bring breakfast. on politics. I'm, so, I'm so old, I was the wrong Breakfast Club. Not the but, movie. <laughs> but I do, I do know Breakfast Club. Uh, what's his name? Um, Charlemagne. 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 Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, the yeah. show is the show came from music. It's a radio show, but you see them interviewing Camila Harris, Camilla Harris. You see them interviewing Little Wayne, but and you and you see them even interviewing like religious leaders, like any type of person they interview. But it's all centered around music and also like black culture as well. And I see that within the two black runners. But I want the running report to become embedded within just deeper than running track and field, just like running culture, but at the end of the day, our core is always gonna be track and field and to like do it for and by the culture to yeah. improve it, make it more mainstream. And I would say our goal isn't technically like to be big, like Aaron to be on the podcast, be like, we wanna be the best podcast in the world. And like, he believes that we are. And like some, that definitely comes with it. But I think, I, I think we really just wanna have an impact on running. And so like, yeah. even if two black runners and running report isn't the biggest thing ever like i think what we do is different and i think a lot of people can take from it so if they take from us and like run with it like i would be i'll be satisfied i'll be satisfied and then hopefully if like we fall off they'll pick me up and be all like bro you can work for us i'm like yeah i know i can't i taught you this not just saying but i'm just saying like i think (laughs) i think i want to leave an impact and a mark on the sport for that people are starting to implement what we're doing because i think that i don't i feel like that is some of the new stuff that's in it and bringing that sort of new style and stuff like that i think that's the only way track and field is gonna get mainstream there has to be a change there has to be a change that happens that's dramatic and so once those dramatic chains start happening i feel like they slowly are through all different types of spaces like that type of impact is what really matters to us not really getting those big numbers really down the line and being the best ever which would be nice though but you know that impact that's that's the main point well i can tell you i know sometimes when you're in the muck doing it on a daily basis it's hard to step back and see it you guys are you already have and are making an impact i mean the very fact that a guy like me like glommed onto you like when i first saw your interview style at trials and miles like that's an automatic impact it was like oh this this is different and i and i like this better than what i've seen <laughs> you know in the past so first of all you guys have and are making an impact and as far as the other goals the bigger impact and change and you, you even i'm going to use the word copycat having people copycat off of what you guys do whether it's espn takes this style etc that that's all good right because that's kind of how you by the way me everybody how we started right you started seeing stephen a smith and yeah. all those other guys and it's like well wait a minute i can do that over here in this exactly space, right? so I, I love that and i think if anybody can do it you guys can I, I really do man i think uh you know your intelligence your passion it comes through in every single piece of content that you put out whether it's interviewing a russell dinkins love him to death he was just on the podcast last week um the the video the interviews i mean it's a wide it's a lot of different skill sets inside of the media that you're working on my 
I'm going to say counsel, and that seems like, you know, I'm here. Don't take it that way. Is, But the, the biggest advice or counsel I can give you guys is patience, meaning, you know, there are plenty of people, and you've seen this, that are overnight sensations because mm -hmm. they, they put in the work for 10 years. <laughs> you know, there is no overnight sensation, but you're going to have that hit in some point, whether it's next month, next year, 10 years from now, you guys are going to be big time people are gonna be like oh yeah you know why i do what i do because of what the Potts brothers did or we're on this show because of what uh we interviewed this one cat or whatever you know what i'm saying like it's it's gonna hit for you guys because you have the talent and the intelligence and the passion for it man so i'm just so happy ecstatic for what you guys are doing i'm glad i'm kind of on the ground floor man because in 10 years i'm gonna be able to say yeah yeah i knew those guys win you know uh <laughs> so i'm just uh just want to bless you guys man thank you for what you're doing for our sport and i told you earlier in this podcast you know i think we need more media in our sport whether it's the the local youtube live show or a local uh you know small um uh, podcast or big it doesn't matter to me i think we need more people because it brings in more people and so i'm just super pumped and excited for what you guys do man thank you so much for what you're doing i appreciate yeah, that i really do appreciate it this is a great interview too i think you're a great interview this is a great show i really i really do appreciate you having us on and everything and just speaking speaking wisdom on i really really do appreciate it yeah and I, Josh, you don't have to butter words, me up, man. man. You're already on the podcast. You ain't got to butter me up. It's all right. <laughs> it was good. I like this. This was fun. This was really hey, fun. Go check them out. If you're listening right now, the whole proverbial, I don't even know why I do this, but, you know, it'll there'll be links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. But here's your best show notes. Google, literally Google Aaron and Josh Potts. That's all you got to Google. There ain't no other ones out there. They're that original. <laughs> there ain't no Aaron and Josh Potts brothers out there. It's just these guys. And go look at it. It's runningreport.com, right? I, I didn't check the actual dot section is it dot com it's yes. uh, writing report dash dot com there it is that okay yeah so go there uh you're listening to a podcast right now so literally whatever app you're in search two black runners podcast it'll pop right up check them out yeah. He's, they're kind of like our show and my well your show is actually a little bit more topical meaning like you, you you bring up topics that are happening right now where my, mine's more you know ours is more evergreen like you know you can go back to listen to episode number one right now for us and it's still topical because it's about that person, but I uh, love what you guys are doing on a, on a, you know, real topical, timely basis. So please check them out. Go to YouTube. I better have, I better see 10,000 plus subscribers by the time April comes, man. Hey, or I yes. just didn't, or I didn't do it for these guys, man. I didn't do nothing for these guys. So <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Super uh, pumped that you would join us today. Humbled that you would tell us your stories and share with us and uh, really your time. It's one of the most valuable things you can give me. So I'm just uh, super uh, thankful that you guys would join us today. Thank you. Thank you for having someone. Absolutely, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. What an incredible journey Coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.